Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go! Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50-plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! And a good football Friday morning, Birds fans. You got Mac and Mac here with you on Birds 365. McMullen and McDonald here with you. Not getting ready to talk about the NFC Championship game like we did last year. No, we're talking about the reconstruction of the Philadelphia Eagles. A lot has gone down since they lost to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers a couple of weeks ago. In the opening round of the playoffs, a little bit of a different Eagle team is going to take the field in 2024. But Nick Sirianni still going to be running. And the question is, who are going to be his two top lieutenants? We know on the defense, John. We don't know on the offense. But I do want to talk about the defense first. Uh, here on Birds 365, we talked yesterday about Vic Fangio coming in and being the new defensive coordinator, even though he was the defensive coordinator of Miami Dolphins about 20 minutes before he became the defensive coordinator of the Philadelphia Eagles you ever going to get that backstory? You ever going to get those details on how that went down? Probably not, right? Uh, I think we will, for the most part. Uh, at, so, at some point, I, I think it, it from, you know, more so probably the Miami side than anything else. Um, and I'm close to a couple guys down there. So, you know, I had, for instance, I asked about last season and last year, and there's this narrative that um, – you know, Vic could have changed his mind if Jonathan Gannon would have admitted that uh, um, um, he he was contacted by Monty Osenford a little bit earlier. And from their perspective down there, the, the there was no wavering from any perspective. The, the contract was agreed to $4.5 million per year, the, the highest paid coordinator contract in NFL history. 
So there was no inkling of it from that side. There was no concern over Miami. They didn't start looking. They didn't say, oh, we better start looking for Vic Mike back out of this deal. And I was told from early on, and to his credit, he wasn't, he's too professional to Josh McDaniel, somebody. That's what I was told very early on in the process. And that turned out to be true because he wanted to be here, but he wasn't going to Josh McDaniels them. He, he, he kept his word. Um, and then as you pass forward this time around, I, you know, from Miami's perspective, it was like you saw Drew Rosenhaus, I assume, yesterday. I don't know why Drew was talking about it, but he said a bunch of players weren't happy with the way he ran things down there, kind of an old school guy. Um, and that's understandable. Uh, you know, that tends to happen in the NFL. You see it here all the time. You get kicked on the way out the door a little bit. Um, but from their perspective, I, I just don't think they felt they got the value of, for that four and a half million. And, and they understood that Mike McDaniel would be comfortable with somebody else, more comfortable with somebody else. And they said, oh, if you want to go, go, uh, we won't hold it against you. So I think it works out from both perspectives. Um, I, don't, I don't think Miami cares that much to complain about any potential issues. And I think the Eagles are happy. They finally got the guy, they want it all along. So I think it's a tied in a happy little bow until you get back on the football field and you say, oh, we're running the same scheme. <laughs> Here's the guy I'd like to hear from, and that's McDaniels, because uh, I'm – well, you're right. It's it's 2020 as you're going out the door. Hindsight that, oh, the players – not all the players like – okay. If he was still a defense coordinator, would we have heard that this week? I yeah. don't think so. I think that would have been kept under wraps. So it's a take a shot because you can as he's going out the door, which in my opinion is a little weak, but not the first time ever Drew Rosenhaus did something like that. Uh, the guy I'd like to hear from is the head coach. If you're a new school, new wave, kind of outside the box, a little bit goofy to begin with, head coach like Mike McDaniel, why are you hiring Vic Fangio? If you know that he's uh, been around forever and this, the Eagles will be his 10th different team in the NFL that he's coached for. It. So he's he's seen it all, done it all, and his old school balancing the scales because McDaniels is so new school and out there and different and borderline weird that you needed an old school guy to bounce him. I don't understand the hire to begin with that after less than 12 months ago, all right, hey, you want to walk away? Go ahead, fine. We'll go in another direction. What was their direction to begin with? Well, I, I, I don't know. I can ask people down there. The assumption I get with Mike McDaniels, he's more of the offensive head coach, and it's not necessarily his decision. Um, okay. And it, very similar to Sean McVay, his his you know one of his cohorts in the Shanahan tree, that Washington coaching staff, which is becoming the 2013 Washington coaching staff, is becoming the 1999 Andy Reid coaching staff. Um, I I get the assumption if you think about when Sean McVay first went to the Rams, they gave him Wade Phillips for that exact same reason. Um, you know, and he didn't even pay attention. I say it all when when. When the defense was on the field, he'd be on the bench looking down, talking to the quarterback, worrying about the offense, and Wade would handle the defense. And as things have gone on, he's gotten more involved and things like that. And I think the same thing will happen with Mike McDaniel. But certainly early in his career, I think it was, all right, we're going to give you 
the best defensive mind in football with the best reputation and we'll see how it works. And they were better defensively um, than they were the year prior. And they suffered a lot of injuries late, which is obviously uh, not big faults. Um, but at the end of the day, when guys like Jalen Ramsey and, 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 and their edge rushers, Chubb and, 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 uh, who's the UCLA kid I'm forgetting, but when they were on the field and they were, were healthy, um, they were good. And when they weren't, they weren't very good. All right. Goes I, back to talent. You and I say it all the time. I, I mean, it, it, it's amazing to me. I mean, the switch isn't going to come on now, you know, pick has been around, Boy, man, I, I don't know. He's with the Philadelphia Stars, so that's how long he's been around. Um, he, he's been around a very long time, and he's a very good defensive coach, and he's certainly going to be better than Sean Desai. And he's known more defensive football than just about anybody else has ever learned to begin with. But uh, if they don't improve the personnel – it doesn't matter. These guys aren't magicians. Right. Uh, and, and, and you see it. And as I mentioned, he gave up 56 points this year to the granted, a very good football team, the Baltimore Ravens who might, you know, win the Super Bowl. That's how good they are. But 56 is 56. You can't create something out of nothing. You need talent. And one of the stats that I saw, um, there's a lot of different ways you can uh, evaluate defense via numbers and analytics and the like. Um, and overall, their defense was certainly improved from where it was the year before. Did it get to the heights that they wanted it to? If it did, I don't think they would just would have let them walk out the door. But as you correctly point out, they were just crushed by injury. As the season went on, uh, their playoff game, they're down to guys uh, coming off the edge that they signed like 20 minutes before the game yeah, started. Yeah. They're picking guys up off the scrap heap. And there's one thing to pick a guy up off the scrap heap week two. There's another thing to pick up the guy off the scrap heap week 19. That means everybody has had a chance to pass him over 17 times. And they said, thank you, no. So I'm going to cut him some major slack uh, for the postseason. But his success rate at the sack, sack success rate, was 8.8, which was second best in the National Football League. Now, they don't have uh, a Bosa brother playing defensive end for them. So they've got very good guys, talented guys. Got Phillips went down with an injury and the like. To finish second in the sack rate, you know what that tells me, John? It's Jonathan Gannon all over again. Last year, the Philadelphia Eagles got 70 sacks. And people still hated in this town, a portion of the Eagle fan base, hated Jonathan Gannon because he didn't blitz. Well, when you're getting 70 sacks, you don't have to blitz. Why would you blitz? You want to keep as many coverage as you can. And apparently Fangio did a lot of that and had success in Miami as the second best blitz uh, sack rate in the National Football League. Yeah, I, you know, and as you mentioned, Phillips, that's, who I was trying to come up with Jalen Phillips, tremendous player, Bradley Chubb, you know, maybe they're not Bosa brothers, but yeah, I, I mean, that's been his history. I mean, the Eagles have run his scheme. He doesn't want to blitz. It's about the extra guy. We always talk about the plus one on offense. 
it, for him, it's about the plus one on defense. He wants that extra guy to be in coverage um, as much as possible. And then you you blitz in certain situations, you know, third and long. Uh, he's probably going to be better with a feel for that. He's probably going to teach it better, which is, to me, the, even the more important part. But if you look at the Eagles, the Eagles blitz um, – the Eagles blitz percentage this year was 22%. Um, Miami's was 21.5%. I, I mean, it's the philosophy of his defense. Now, if you go back to Chicago and San Francisco, when you got guys like Khalil Mack and you know, winning defensive player of the year, you don't need the blitz. You know, And it looks great. Akeem Hicks was one of the most underrated players in the NFL. Um, you know, so you had two, uh, San Francisco had some tremendous, but it's always, it always goes back to personnel. It always goes back to personnel. And that's a lot of the difference between the 2022 Eagles defense and the 2023 Eagles defense. Um, but he will teach it better. Um, and he will have a better feel for calling the game than Sean Desai. So it should get better, even if you don't increase the personnel greatly. But if you don't, it's not going to be great. No, and we'll talk about Vic Fangio today. We'll talk about the offensive coordinator. We, who knows? Maybe by the time we come back on Monday, we'll know who the Eagles' offensive coordinator is going to be. The last couple of days have all been about relationships, Sirianni keeping his job, he and Howie Roseman. But at some point, the worm will turn. And the staff will be close to set. And then the attention will be paid to Howie Roseman because part of the press conference the other day was talking about roster construction. And they're putting eggs in that uh, Nicobe Dean basket already before we even get there through the offseason. Yeah, it's going to become Howie who's going to be the focus of this team because he needs to regroup and upgrade the town specifically on the Vic Fangio side, which is one of the reasons why I'm okay with this signing. I like Fangio. I think Fangio uh, has has accomplished plenty in this fo- uh, National Football League, even though this little birdie keeps whispering in my ear, everyone's figured out the Fangio defense. Everyone's figured out the Fangio. I don't know where I hear that, uh, but I hear it all the time. Um, well, the good news about that is, Jody, um, he already knows that. He talked about it in Miami last year before the season, um, and he's – you know, he didn't always play this defense. So he's the guy, at least in start of uh, the copy, now they have the original. I think he's the first one who understands there needs to be tweaks because too many people have been playing it and too many people have figured it out. Um, yeah, I, and I think he knows that. And I think he will tweak. Um, you know, will it be successful? I think that that is tied more to toward personnel i think it 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 always is and one of the things i like about it is we'll find out if it works how it fits with the what the eagles have what the eagles are yet to get land on the defense one thing that i i I am just crossing my fingers and hope it has as a residual effect is this is a roseman guy how he was integrated in big part of bringing him in to let him consult last year uh, you think Nick was tampering with uh, Vic Fangio on the phone with him? Go, hey, if Miami will let you out of the contract, we'll hire you immediately here in Philadelphia. No, of course I was Howie. 
So this is going to be a Howie guy coming in. Now, Nick did say uh, that he appreciates the relationship they were able to build up last year when he was a consultant for the Eagles. So it isn't like he's being foisted on Sirianni. I think Sirianni's perfectly fine. He is my voice word. I, I stole your voice word. Now, I'll push back on that a little bit. You okay. know, it, 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 you know, Bick's like everybody's guy. Um, you know, he was part of the program. I compare it to college friend of the program um and nick likes him a lot that's that's true uh jonathan liked him a lot um everybody jeffrey likes him everybody wanted him um so i think that's a uh um uh, uh it, it truly is a collaborative process but to to howie's point and jeff mcclain came out this week this is the first time i saw it now i was told way back to the Doug Peterson, and you've heard me say numerous times, high-level coaching change about one guy in this organization, one guy, and that's Jeffrey Lurie, not Howie. So if you want to blame somebody, blame Jeffrey Lurie. I've been saying that for a long time, dating back to Doug Peterson, because I was told by somebody who would know, it's Jeffrey on that type of thing. Um, now, Jeff found out that actually the Eagles set up Nick Sirianni doesn't even report to Howie Roseman. They have it set up that Nick Sirianni and Howie Roseman both report to Jeffrey Lord. They're, in other words, it's set up in a more traditional way. We saw Dave Canales and, and Carolina put it out in their press release. Um, they have it set up with the GM. Um, the coach doesn't report to the GM. They both re report to David Pe Tepper. Evidently, that's how the Eagles have set it up. Now, he trusts Howie more. So when it comes to advice and things like that, he's been around Howie longer. Certainly, I would say Howie has more power. But when it, when it comes to high-level coaching decisions, I've been saying it for years, it's one guy. It's one guy. And he makes that decision on his own. And I would consider coordinators high-level coach, obviously head coaches, but coordinators as well. And after that, it's up to Howie and, and Nick to position coaches to figure it out together. All right. So you think that Jeff Laurie was the guy who got uh, Vic Fangio? Well, I think everybody likes Vic. I, th I, I don't think Vic's an issue with anybody. Vic was around the team, friend of the program, consultant leading up to the Super Bowl. They wanted him before everybody was on board with that. Nick's on board. Howie's on board. Jeffrey's on board. Every everybody's on board with Vic Fangio. All right, um, and if Jeff Lori is if Jeff Lori's that guy, he's on board. Here's why I like it: how he knows it, and if Howie is still uh, uh, protecting his own backside, and uh, Jeff was really on board with, uh, maybe I better get him some improved defense. Maybe they'll use some of their resources, free agency, and draft capital on the defensive side more than they have in previous years. If they want to give Vic Fangio a shot to make his defense work there. And I, I think that is of need. So I'm good with that. He is McMullen on McDonald. We see Joe Santa Liquido in the waiting room. Uh, he, of course, brought, uh, excuse me, Bleeding Green Nation, a little inquiry work on the side. We're going to talk Eagles football at a very in-depth article on the Eagles and specifically the quarterback relationship between Jalen Hurts and uh, the entire Eagle coaching staff. Joe Sandler-Liquido joins us next here on Birds 365. Go to get your game on. 
Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Appreciate you being with us here on Birds 365. Mac Mac and Joe San Liquido, old friend. Good enough to hop on board with us today. Good to see you, Joe. Where's you? Alabama? Are you trying to tell yeah, us? Yeah, yeah, guys. Can you hear me? We got you. Yeah, we I'm got just you. wondering why the Alabama gear today? Uh, I got it as a Christmas gift, and I'm a big Saban fan. I know he just retired, but uh, yeah, I just uh, love the program, love uh, the players they produce. Uh, so yeah, little little since I was a kid, since Bear, since uh, really? since uh, since the uh, since Tom Clements broke my heart as a five year old throwing that pass, I think in the in the Sugar Bowl, I believe it was. Tom Clements. Yeah, there you go. Man, a lot of, there you a lot go. Of 
Are the, so, are, the Eagles, are the Eagles interviewing Tom Clements for their offensive coordinator position? Yeah. <laughs> Rome in the mix, new ideas. Before new I do ideas. anything, let me, before I do anything, let me ask the two of you, because I've been running around the last two days asking almost everybody that I know, uh, did I block you two guys on, did my social media block you two guys on Twitter? <laughs> Um, I don't think so. Okay. Not an issue on my end. Okay. No. Okay. Not, not, not the, an issue on my end. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you got, you're, you're a big deal, so you got somebody else running your your Twitter. Yeah, uh, she's 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 law enforcement, which I uh, uh, enlisted her in after the, uh, obviously, the Wentz escapade. And uh, her new nickname is uh, Lady Block Party D. <laughs> she just uh, went nuts. I like that. So, so the last the last two or three days I've been um I've had like forty people, forty-five people, friends <laughs> that I had to unblock. So uh and the reason why I asked if I blocked you two guys no, I'm, we're good. Blocked we're the good. Two I'm yeah, not worried yeah. about that. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yo, let me I, you. I of all people shouldn't be blocked, Joe. But yeah, I, I don't care. I don't I don't care. No, we're we're good. Uh, here's why I want to start with you, Joe, because I read yeah. your article and it was uh, fascinating and in depth and very well done. Thank you. Um, about Jalen Hurts, because I did say this last year when he signed the two hundred fifty million dollar cut. Oh, this is not good. Guys are different. But, but. I said, here's my only concern with Jalen Hurts mm -hmm. that he's going to be pulled in so many different directions. I wasn't afraid that he was going to become a diva or anything like that because he does have the work ethic that he has. Mm -hmm. But I just thought there was a chance that he could be, like, distracted by all the attention that he's getting from people outside of his own inner circle, the NFL, <laughs> his agency, uh, endorsements. You knew the Eagles were going to ask him to be a front man for a lot of things going into the season. How big a negative effect do you believe that had on his season? I think it had a big negative effect. I think it took him out of his routine. He is a an individual routine. Um, you guys read the story, <laughs> as opposed to many others that criticized the story and didn't read it. You guys read the story. Never said he wasn't a hard worker. I've said it. Uh, I've said it on the air. I've said it privately. The guy applies himself. The guy does work hard. He loves to work, and uh, he was pulled. In, in, in many different directions. It was a brave new world for him. I understand the situation he was in. Uh, you know, what's the saying? Strike while the iron is hot. Uh, he was a hot name. You, you turn around, you make that extra cash when you can make it. Uh, but it also was something new for him. Do I think in the future, by the way, uh, if he does have a situation similar to what he, he came off of, of 2022, I think he's going to be able to handle that better. I think he's going to be able to allot his time better, but I think there was a lot of a lot of trial by error this off season, uh, and I think it's uh, certainly something that he will correct. Jalen Hurts may be a lot of things, but one, he's he's he's, he's a hard worker. Uh, he is someone that's a diligent guy. He is someone that I'll give him credit for this. I think he does a very good job of self correcting, and it's something that he's had to do since his college career. Yeah. Yeah, he's had a lot of changes, and you know, I think a lot of people compare it to your Wentz story, which, by the way, um, you can spike the football because everything eventually was proven to be true. So all the yeah. people 
saying hit piece this, hit piece yeah. that. First of all, this wasn't a hit piece. I mean, thank you for that. For those people, you you have to read it. Um, but from Jalen's perspective, he has mentioned a number of times I've asked him, he's still feeling out his off seasons. I think one of the improvements was going to Tom House and Adam uh, Daydu in, in the 2022 offseason and working on his mechanics. And I know he went back. Um, and I bring that up because Carson Wentz did the same thing before his MVP season. And those are the guys. Tom and Adam are the guys when it comes to mechanics and modern quarterbacking. They're the best in the business. And Carson did it and never went back. I know Jalen went back, but I don't think he spent as much time. But what he has shown the ability to do is is tweak his offseason routine. And I think you're right that he will do that, and he'll learn from his mistakes, and he'll work diligently to improve them. My question is, um, is he working diligently enough with the people in the building when it comes to the current offense. Maybe that doesn't matter moving forward, but last season when we write the eulogy, I think he was a big part of the blitz issues. I think quarterback was a big part of the blitz issues, and Brian Johnson and Nick Sirianni got most of the blame. What, what, what are your thoughts and what did you find out about that? Well, talking to a defensive coordinator who had faced him uh, the previous season and this past season, he was blown away by the regression. Um, what had happened here is it a, a is it a a, a Steichen Brian Johnson transition? He was just kind of blown away by here's a guy that could kind of could see things, pick things up, but suddenly he was completely blindsided with this past season. I think that's where a lot of confusion lies. Um, I think, in my opinion. In my very strong opinion, there was a whole lot more reliance on A.J. Brown this season. Um, as as someone of the Eagles offense worded it to me, well, you know, there were times I was open, but his, his first look was at A.J. If I were him, I would have looked at A.J. too, this yeah. player told me. But um, he didn't, didn't look for anybody else after that. It, it seemed as if... Um, and I have the strong impression with AJ himself, there was some frustration. I have the impression that, you know, obviously he had that good run when the Eagles were going to him on a pretty consistent basis when opposing teams learned and opposing teams, you know, Hey, listen, we have to add even more attention to AJ Brown, which we knew they were doing anyway. You know, this is what we have to do to take him out and force Hertz into obviously those uncomfortable situations where he has to look for others. And there's certainly a lot of other options that are very, very quality options to go oh, yeah. to. But he became, um, I, I think he became a little bit too overly reliant on A.J. Brown. Um, and, and I think that knocked off his game a little bit. And, and I also think Steichen was a very, a very strong security blanket for him. I, blanket being taken away. And when that happens, um, I think suddenly now I'm a little on my own. You know, Brian and I have a great Brian Johnson, and he had a, had, a, had a very good relationship, a strong history together with one another. But I have the impression, again, a very strong impression. I certainly wasn't in the, in the room with this, but I had the strong impression Steichen pushed him into those uncomfortable positions. I have the, 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 the very, very strong uh, assumption 
that because of that, we saw uh, exponential growth from 2021 to 2022 with Jalen Hurts. And, and hopefully they're going to get someone back in there that could turn around and push some buttons, someone back in there that will put him in those uncomfortable spots. Um, what's the old saying? Uh, you don't do business for family and friends. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that may, have been, that may have been the case here. Uh, I think from the impression I have from the outside looking in, and John, you would know far better than me, I think Brian Johnson is the right quality uh, uh, quarterbacks coach. I still have some questions as to whether or not he's a quality NFL uh, coordinator. Uh, but, you know, he certainly did a hell of a job with Jalen in, in the 2022 season as the quarterbacks coach. Do I still think, again, from the outside looking in and the situation I was in, I still think there's some fine tuning Brian Johnson himself can do. And I also have the impression, knowing people that know Brian, I think Brian, very much like Jalen Hurts, uh, saw some things in himself that, hey, there's some things there, too, that I, I too, could have improved on. I, for lack of a better term, I'm going to use it, and if you want to shape it any way you want, feel go ahead. This past year, good cop, bad cop, Nick Sirianni had to be the bad cop, and I don't think he's a real bad, bad cop, but Brian Johnson wasn't going to be the bad cop in a relationship with the quarterback. Now Nick Sirianni's removed himself basically from the offense, and it's going to be all new. Uh, French I, I don't know if he. I don't know if he removed himself. Well, but yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Oh, yeah. Has been removed. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for correcting me, John. Um, good cop, bad cop. You sound like you're hoping that a bad cop comes in as the offense corner, a guy who will coach him hard. Can Nick play good cop? Nick. Oh, Nick. Nick's the personification of good cop. Okay. You know, he's he's very much a. a a a you know a coach uh, a player's coach in a lot of ways um and and again uh in all deference to john i have the impression i was i was actually told Sirianni did how crazy this may sound he did a lot more coaching this season but he also did quite a bit of coaching the coaches um he was not only juggling the balls he had to juggle but you know, I'm looking here at the situation with the side. I'm looking over here with the situation with Brian Johnson. He did a lot more. He did more coaching of the coaches, uh, which I'm going to give Nick Sirianni the benefit of the doubt here that he was not able to put all of his functions into everything he's supposed to do as a head coach. Uh, I think we saw some things there early on signs where um, we saw it, I think, in the preseason. I think there was a situation where the side didn't have the right personnel on the field, which was an ongoing problem the whole season, offensively and defensively with this team. Uh, and, and I think it was uh, Sirianni himself who had to come running across the field to say, hey, listen, this is what's going on. That was me. Training camp, they moved to practice yeah. to uh, – and, and how he had to correct him to get – it was just something that was very weird. Uh, and a bunch of us noted it at the time the Eagles tried to sweep it under a rug. It wasn't a big deal. Yeah, I think it was a big deal. <laughs> it added up. I mean, think about the many, many, many times this season will go into uh, the season opener where, where Jake Elliott just puts up his hands and says, this is the, now this is special teams. You yeah. know, they didn't have the right personnel on the field, even though Clay did a very good job this season. I think yes. the special teams yes. was one of the quality things that they did. But then, then uh, I believe again in the playoff game, where it was, was it Eli Ricks? that had, didn't know whether or not he was on or off the field. They had to call a timeout again, and it was an ongoing problem the whole season. Um, I'd like to believe that Nick Sirianni is as good as self-correcting as I hope and believe his quarterback is. Um, 
But right now, too, I mean, guys, uh, I mean, we're part of the we're part of the ball brigade. The three of us here, I think, all three of us would agree. All three of us know stability wins in the NFL, and oh, the yeah. part of it right now. And the Eagles have been um, a, a, a decent organization in terms of stability. Now you're dealing with an organization that's going to under uh, that, that's going to be undergoing its third batch of, of, of coordinators in the last three years. Uh, I know these these the, the, the defense is, is somewhat immersed in the Fangio uh, defense and the schemes there, but again, there's there's a whole new grouping of nomenclature these guys have to learn. There's going to be maybe a little bit of nuance here and there on the defensive side of the ball, and the most important thing is this. Other than the defensive front, they got to almost they're going to almost turn around and, and get a, a revamp a whole new defense. Offensively, yeah. you're looking at a situation where um, uh, I, I mean, what's the deal with the offense? Uh, as we were talking, and 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 again, in deference to John, um, I would hear from people and from NFL people, uh, a couple of personnel people that I know, you know, Joe. You see this team, you watch this team, you dissect this team each week. Does it still have an identity? And that was the thing, too. That was mind-boggling as the season's going on. Where is this offensive identity of this team? Um, I had a sense, well, I had better than a sense, some people on the ground floor that certainly wanted a certain type of identity. They certainly would have liked to have run the ball more than they did. Um, uh, there were guys, I certainly, I feel there were guys that were underused. Uh, I hope they, they have a chance to retain DeAndre Swift. Uh, I think it was a big help to them this past season. Uh, I don't know if he's going to stay or not. They, we, we all know that the Eagles don't place value in running backs. So there's a lot of things that need to be done here. It, it's. And by the way, I, I think DeAndre, even if they want Joe, uh, and I know, you know DeAndre from St. Joe's prep days way back. I get the feeling that even if the Eagles wanted to pay him, he'd rather be in an offense that takes advantage of, of the running back in the passing game a little bit more than this one does. Yeah, um, I, got I don't that know if that changes. I don't know <laughs> if that changes no matter who this offensive coordinator is because, and Jody knows, I've been talking about this, Joe doesn't like to dump it off. You don't need to yeah. dump it off. So that limits – a lot of the running backs touches in the passing game. And I think DeAndre would like to get more involved with that, but he is a Philly guy. Yeah. And yeah. Um, but I, um, <laughs> I won't be surprised if he goes someplace else. No. I won't be surprised. Um, but there's, Either there's way. a lot of fixing that needs to go on here. Um, I'd like to think, you know, these are the first steps in terms of stability. I like the fact that they got someone older in Fangio. I mean, the Eagles, Think about this. The Eagles like to get the shiny new coin, and they've had yeah. a history of that. But, it's, but it's the pendulum theory, Joe, you know, once well, something doesn't work, you go the opposite direction. Now you got to see. They had a hell of a lot of stability with Andy Reid and Jim Johnson. A lot yeah. of stability, knowing the old man wasn't going anywhere, and knowing, you know, the, the guys that would come in would be immersed in a system that they knew, that, that they were orient, oriented with. Uh, and you're not learning something again. They've been running basically the same Fangio, obviously the father, godfather of, of that bend but don't break defense type. But again, even we're getting the godfather himself uh, with it. There's still some learning. There's still some time to teach. Uh, the other thing too that came up, and actually this came up last night in reference to Nick uh, Nick Sirianni to go to go godfather on you. 
I found it interesting on Wednesday that he went from Michael Corleone to suddenly he went to Fredo Corleone. Oh, he's Fredo. Yeah, he's Fredo now. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that, that's a problem the Eagles have had consistently uh, under Jeffrey Lurie. Once expectations aren't met, you know, Mike Rowe was Fredo. Uh, Press Taylor was Fredo. Um, now it's Brian Johnson and, and Nick to a lesser degree. But, yeah, you can't say these guys are genius, up-and-coming, great young coaches, really ahead of the curve, and then turn around the next day and try to sell people, oh, they're the problem. Um, but they try. That's what they do. Kick people <laughs> in the you-know-what out the door. John, the other thing that baffles me is do they think – I think they have a real problem. I think there's quite a bit to fix. My concern with this organization as a whole, as a culture is, again, we're none of us are in that building in those conference rooms with those guys. But the thing that concerns me a little bit is maybe they don't think there's that much wrong here. Maybe no, they don't. Oh, definitely. What definitely. The they, they definitely. Yeah. They're like, look at our success compared to everybody else. And to be fair, they're right, but – that doesn't mean you can't, you got to be more self-aware when it comes to this particular issue, in my opinion. And and, and dropping and falling and going to one and six, the way they finished. Um, I mean, maybe there was one team at the end of the season, there was one team that was worse than the Philadelphia Eagles, and that might have been the worst team in the league, the Carolina Panthers. This was, this was a disaster. We still don't know the situation with Jason Kelsey, the ankle, that offensive line. I, I'm going to, I don't think I'm going out of the limb with this. I think Jason Kelsey may stay one more year. Hope so. I think he wants to go out on his own. I think if he does stay, I think we all I have the utmost respect for for uh, Adam Schefter. But I think I think we have Adam Schefter to thank if he he does stay another year. Yeah. I well, Jason has changed his mind before. I I do think I'm still in the camp. He's waiting for Travis to be done. He doesn't want to ruin his run. Uh, he'll do it on new heights, but I, I do think he's going to retire. I think Fletcher Cox might retire, by the way, keep that in the back pocket. Um, so there could be a lot of changes, uh, at the Novacare complex, but I hope Jason plays. He can still play. He was an all pro. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Play at a yeah. High level. yeah. Yeah. So there's lots Joe, of things. Joe, no, you got to run. Uh, we yeah. appreciate you jumping in here, uh, carving out a couple minutes for us today. We'll certainly get you back up again. Okay. Thanks, brother. So, Janie, listen, next time around, what do I need for you? For you, I will wear it. I will find the hoodie and I will wear it next time. What no. What do you want me to go with? The Albany Great Danes, my alma mater. Albany Great Danes. You know what? Danes. I probably can get an Albany Great Danes hoodie. They, yeah. are, they are an equality lacrosse team. I got some ins. Something next time I, I'm on the you guys, I, I will wear an Albany Great by Danes hoodie. By the way, what, but you got to get me some boxing swag, Joe. Uh, yeah, something. that's not that's not a reach. I could I could do that. I could do that. My bald brethren. <laughs> you don't. I I don't need any boxing stuff. I I'm, a, I'm a, yeah. What is boxing swag? Gloves? Like I'm gonna hit somebody? No, no I'm not no, wearing. No, no. You get some t-shirts and 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 bags stuff like that. I could do stuff like that. Sure. Sure. So, guys, listen. Thanks again, man. And and please, for both these, I repeat for you guys. Um, you know, I'm on here. Uh, utmost respect to both you guys. You know, I think the world of both of you. Joe, we appreciate Thanks, Joe, we you appreciate it. with us. Thank you very much. Thank you, guys. Um, one quick note before we go to break on Jason Kelsey. This is just my personal opinion. Here's where I felt buoyed this weekend. Not only when he did it, but then when he talked about it on the New Heights podcast thereafter. He's taken off his shirt. 
in freezing cold temperatures in Buffalo while hanging with Taylor Swift, leaving the suite, coming down, grabbing a girl so he could bring her back up to meet Taylor Swift. And then afterwards, he talks about his brother on the podcast and says, I informed my wife ahead of time I was going to do this. And she said, don't you dare. And he went ahead and did it anyway. Jason still likes the spotlight. He basically grabbed the spotlight by the throat and said, you are mine, spotlight. Yeah. I don't well, know that he's ready to give up the spotlight. I, I, hope, I hope you're right. I, I, I think it's, but I've been wrong before. This is what he does, you know, basically. And this is why we get it wrong because after the season, he's always like, I don't want to go through this again. Right. And then you, and then you leave. Yeah, then you recharge your batteries, and he's like, he misses, uh, he misses the locker room, he misses the cafeteria, he loves the Novacare cafeteria, so do I. I wish I could get back into it, but, uh, um, and and then he changes his mind. So it's always possible, um, but I do think he's been setting up um, not only his future, uh, part of it is the New Heights podcast. By the way, Jeff Carr was on there this week. Uh, Jeff took a picture of his locker, so they they said thanks, Jeff, <laughs> for ruining my my personal time. But um, uh, anyway, shout out to Jeff Kerr. Um, it, yeah, he set up that. He he's also been working with the NFL and their sort of media boot camp, what uh, they call it. He's been doing that for the past two years. Um, he's got some off the field stuff. He's been setting up. Um, he's not, he's not the guy, he's not the NFL player that doesn't know what he's going to do, uh, when it ends for him. So I think he's got a plan and I hope I'm wrong. Uh, yeah. All that being said, yay or nay, Jason Kelsey's back next year. I say he's not back. I say yes. And uh, the, the scales for me were tipped this past weekend in Cleveland. I was kind of sitting on the fence, but I don't think he's ready to give it up. And the other reason why I was leaning that direction is lost six out of their last seven. Guess what? That means Jason Kelsey lost six of his last seven. I don't think he wants to go out that way. He's part of it. Was he the main part of it? No. Am I, oh my God, the Eagles fell apart because of Jason Kelsey. Well, no, he didn't play. He didn't play well in Tampa. He didn't. So he didn't either. That, exactly. Yeah, and I don't that. think Jason Kelsey wants to go out that way. So hey, I hope you you're say right. out. I'll say in. We'll find out. Who knows when? When Jason. And that's one of the beauties of the situation, Jason. And he dictates all terms. He decides when and if. And he'll do the right thing. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going, oh, Jason's going to drag the Eagles along. No. Jason will do the oh, right no. thing yeah. by the Eagles. Oh, yeah. But he'll also do the right thing by Jason Kelsey. So he's going to dictate terms. I think he's going to be it. I and, doubt. And, and not- that's why, real quick, that's why you'll know it by the start of the new league year, which is March 14th, maybe somewhere in that range. He will not leave the Eagles hanging. I, I don't even think it will take that long. I think he'll make the decision before the after the Super Bowl, after free agent. No, I'm just saying that's the last possible date. Yeah, la- latest date. All right. Yeah. Uh, Birds fans, do me a favor. Here is your chance to save up to 40% on your car insurance. You can do that right now from one of Jacob Sports' great partners. Here's what you do. Call managing partner Jim or Fran and tell them you're a friend of both Jacob Sports and Birds 365. Huh. 
Hi, I'm Jim Muehlbronner, Managing Partner at DelVal Insurance Group. Give us a call. We're a local, knowledgeable agency, not an 800 number. Go Birds! Any professional sports coach will tell you there's no substitution for preparation. At Malamut & Associates, that is a tenet by which we live. We prepare from day one for victory. Anything less is not acceptable. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Thank Joe Santa Laquito for jumping in with us here on Birds 365. Oh, we got a good guest coming up in less than half an hour from now. Our very own D Gunn uh, for Sports Take and Eagles Post Game Show here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. We haven't had D Gunn on in, shoot, at least a couple of months, maybe longer than that. Uh, and he's uh, during Eagle season, he's on the channel enough. So uh, we don't want to overburden him, but. Uh, hey, if you're talking about getting responses from players, 
D-Gun's as tight it as anybody who covers Eagles these days. So looking forward to talking about D-Gun. But here's uh, one thing I want to talk to you about, John. You brought it up just before we punched Joe up um, about the the flow chart of power in the Eagles organization that Jeff Lurie certainly sits at the top. Everybody knows it uh, and as well as should be. And then you're telling me the next level is the same Howie Roseman and Nick Sirianni, the coach and the general manager, both report directly to the owner. That it isn't how uh, Jeffrey, then Howie, then Nick, and Nick reports to uh, Howie Roseman. We talk all the time about Howie being one of the most dug in general managers in all of the National Football League, that he can do certain things because his job really isn't in jeopardy and he's not being scrutinized on a day in day out basis because a he's been good and b he's got the relationship that he has with Jeff Lori but he doesn't even have power over the coach are we overestimating the power of one Howie Roseman cuz a lot of teams in the National Football League owner general manager coach I, I experienced it firsthand as a Jet fan years ago when Woody Johnson tried to do the both the coach and the general manager report directly to him. All you get is infighting from the coach and the, the coach is pointing the finger at the general manager, general manager is pointing the finger at coach. Just personally, I believe it runs best when you have a three-tiered setup with the general manager between the owner and the coach. What does it say about Howie Roseman if he isn't in control of the coach? I don't think it says all that much. I think it's, a, like I said, I use Carolina. Carolina actually put it in their press con, uh, press release, uh, the setup. How'd that work out? Well, it's. I don't know if that's, I'm talking about they hired Dave Canales. So. Oh, you're talking about going forward. Okay. Yeah, going forward. Um, obviously, it's a disaster of an organization, but they're not, this is not the first time. And by the way, it was Jeff, Jeff McLean. I'm just saying, um, so I'll read you what Jeff wrote. Eagles head coach Nick Sirianni doesn't report to GM Howie Roseman. He reports directly to owner Jeffrey Lurie. While it may be true that Roseman is more entrenched than Sirianni and more of a confidant to Lurie considering their time together and how they're Dynamic effects, who was the head coach? He didn't make the final decision on Sirianni's future with the Eagles, speaking of, of Howie. I, all I can tell you is that, and I'm going back to 20, whatever, 20, whatever it is now, 20, 21 and Doug, I, I was told, look, when it comes to the coach, don't blame Howie. That is Jeffrey. When it comes to and to a certain degree, as I mentioned, the high level coaching, so that include coordinators, uh, and this plays into that, um, essentially confirms it. Lori did make the decision, and only he can effectively answer the question as to why he was not made available to reporters. Obviously, he rarely talks to reporters. He will probably not speak publicly until the owners' meetings in March. He's the guy. That's that's all we're saying. Howie has more power, uh, but Nick doesn't report to Howie, um, if that makes sense. He reports yeah, see, directly. To me, that doesn't make sense. That's the problem right there. It doesn't make sense. If Howie's got more power, 
But Nick doesn't report to Howie. How does Howie have more power? Just because, because he of- trusts him more, because he listens to him more, because he he he's been around him more, because he called him. You know, the the, the biggest mistake he ever made was going away from him because he's more of a a confidant to, to use the word that Jeff said. But Howie doesn't have to. Uh, Howie can't say I'm firing Nick, and you know, yeah, obviously he's got to run it by. Um, Jeffrey Laurie, and if Jeffrey Laurie agrees, he can. He can again. He can. He's his consigliere. If you want to go, Joe was going all Godfather on us. That's what Howie is. But technically, Nick only reports to Jeffrey Laurie. So if you're talking about an organizational flowchart, technically he reports to the owner. And when it comes to coaching decisions, it is all. Jeffrey Lurie. I believe that. I yeah. go back to when I said how we recommended Josh McDaniels to Jeffrey Lurie. And it turned out to be true. I got a lot of crap for it at the time because people are saying, no, I said he recommended and how, and Jeffrey said, no, that's, he can recommend, he can say things. But when it comes to that particular issue, it's all 100% Jeffrey Lurie. Okay. Uh, and I understand yours and Jeff's, mostly Jeff McClain's stance. Here's, here's where I would question it and the way that it's laid out. How many times a week do you think Nick Sirianni this past year met with Jeff Lurie? Well, it, it, going back to Doug, they, they would meet once a week. Um, now, if things start going badly jeffrey tends to get more involved so i can't say late in the season maybe it increased but at least once a week at least Um, how many times do you think he meets with howie a lot more right but he doesn't report to howie reports to jeffrey so the guy you report to you meet with less the guy you're partners with you meet with more Uh, no well you're arguing something else i'm 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 saying that's what it is that's the structure now you can disagree with the structure but and but again, that's that's the structure. Um, and, you know, so for those saying, you know, how he's doing this and how he's doing that. Look, how he's in charge of building the roster. So anything involved in the roster, blame Howie. Um, he's in charge of, of finding uh, football, as I said, when they're hiring coaching staff and Doug doesn't uh, excuse me, Nick doesn't have. Uh, a particular name in mind, he gathers candidates for Nick to decide. I don't know if that's still the case after um, such power was taken away, but that's how it's been to this point. Um, And when it comes to big decisions like this big decision, and one of the things the Eagles have tried to spin over the past couple of days is now Nick Sirianni is like, because of who's playing this weekend, it's like, John Harbaugh and Dan Campbell, a CEO coach. No, he already was. You know, it, uh, to use Dan Campbell as an example, for people that forget, when he first got to Detroit, and that, obviously they were still a bad team, uh, Anthony Lynn was the offensive coordinator. And he fired Anthony Lynn, and he brought in you know the flavor of the month. Ben Johnson is likely going to be the next head coach in Washington um, when, whenever Detroit loses. 
No, Nick was like Dan Campbell and, and John Harbaugh. Now he doesn't have the power to be like them. So now he's like Jason Garrett at the end of his Cowboys run, where he's basically, I don't know what you want to call him, um, emasculated, neutered. People don't like these adjectives. Make up whatever you like if you want to be softer. That's what happened uh, this 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 week. That's what happened. All right, so here's and and you don't. I'm asking you to speculate. You can't possibly know this, but you can have uh, certainly a strong opinion on it. Nick said, if he said it once, he said it three or four times the other day. I have to prove myself. When I was given a job, I had to prove myself. And I think we did by going to the Super Bowl. But we had the season that we did. So I have to prove myself. I don't know if he actually said reprove himself. Reprove. That's, yeah. that's what I was thinking. How does he go about doing that? How is he going to show that he is, that uh, this was a blip on the radar screen? When? That this was actually, a, it's all W's and L's? Oh, I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't care if he win. I mean, if they win, Jeffrey isn't going to care. Man, so I am waiting. Sorry to interrupt you. Um, uh, April, when do they come out with the schedule? Usually, um, they, I think they moved up to like They moved it to like, May, I think. They moved it back. Oh, back. Yeah, so they moved it back because they've made it into a big, you know, TV show. After, or, the, after the draft. Okay. Yeah. That is going to be huge because we're going to have to get the schedule and print it out. I'm going to go so far as to print out. These days, nobody prints out shit. Nobody prints out anything. It's on your computer. See, Trying to really... save trees. Yeah, yeah, save those trees. I, that's, I'm a tree hugger if ever there was one. Um, <laughs> I will actually print it out because not only is the final number going to be important because we saw it this year, it's when, how, and why you lose. Because the Eagles finished up with 11 wins. Come on, it's 11 wins. How Say goodbye your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Well, we're 26 and four, whatever the number was, up until the bottom fell out of the entire season. It's not just the number, it's when those numbers come up, too. So we have to figure out exactly how the Eagles are going to do getting to the end yeah. of the season and then the and, postseason. And, 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 late season W's are more important than September W's, John. I think we all ask Brian Johnson yeah, yeah, and Sean Desai about that. And, and going back, you know, Jeffrey really should have spoken at this press conference because, you, you know, yes. he's, he's the one. And you got out. And I, Marcus had a great column. Marcus Hayes, I know he said how he looked like, how he had, and he did. He had bags under his eyes. Like I think Marcus said, wind socks. Um, and I don't know, it looked like he was shoveling. Jeffrey's driveway all weekend as punishment. Yeah, but how he likes the the three day growth, doesn't he? I think he likes. Well, that. they all do. That's you know, the first they, time we get that, that out of Howie. You get the playoff hockey beards, but they looked they looked like they got taken to the woodshed. Was Marcus's point, and they did. Um, and the guy who did it doesn't talk, and they're up there. And then people are like, 
well, this doesn't make sense. This doesn't make sense. That's because the guy making the decision doesn't talk. And they got to what they got to walk around things. And they got to, you know, that's Jeffrey's fault. And, you know, a lot of people got mad at me this week because I was pretty harsh on Jeffrey Lurie. I mean, give me a break. I, I, I say this guy overall, and I'm not, he's one of the best owners in the NFL because the rest of these morons, they, 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 they're even more drastic than he. And I say that facetiously. They're all far richer than I'll ever be. So they got to be, they got to be bright to a certain degree, but they're, they're very emotional when it comes to their football teams. And he's better than 95% of the owners. I feel very, very comfortable in saying that. Um, at the same time, in this little sort of part of the job, he is, he is irrational. Um, and he doesn't like to talk about his irrational ability. And he doesn't like to explain it. And he doesn't like to answer questions about it. And I'm sorry if you want the pom-poms out. He put these guys in this position, so explain it. Right. I'll, I'll, I'll make an outrageous comparison here and don't take me, take it incorrectly. I'll try and explain as best I can. At one point, Michael Jordan screwed the Chicago Bulls. He'd won three straight championships. He said, see you later, bye. He went to play baseball. There's uh, so many different stories about why he walked away when he did. I, I don't even care about any of that. We won't take the conversation that far. But then at one point, he just decided, hey, you know what? Let me go back. And he did. And guess what? He wasn't Michael Jordan just yet. It took him some time. They got beaten in the Eastern Conference Finals. Why? Maybe because he hadn't played basketball in a year and a half. But then he came back, and rightfully so, everybody expected him to just come back as Michael Jordan. And guess what? He wasn't ready. You can point that out. It doesn't mean Michael Jordan's not the greatest player of all time. He is. But you can point out the fact that he walked away because he just felt like it, and then he came back just because he felt like it, and he didn't get the job done. Does that make you a Michael Jordan hater? No. If we point out that there are sometimes issues with Jeff Lurie's ownership and the way he handles things and decisions that are made that don't hit center uh, Mark. That's not hating on a guy. That's just pointing out that he's not perfect. No one is. And Jeff Lurie isn't either, even though we think he's one of the best owners in the national football league. Yeah. And you said it better than me. So thank you. Uh, <laughs> uh, you and I are on the exact same page uh. on that one. All right. Offensive coordinator. Is everybody going to get on the same page? No, here's how I'll ask it to you. Who's hiring the offensive coordinator? Well, I'll, I'll say this. It has to be approved by Jeffrey. Um, and, you know, uh, uh, Nick was pretty clear that it can't be somebody from his tree uh, that he knows he needs fresh ideas. And that is a direct correlate. The Doug got the exact same uh, uh, talking to has to be fresh, has to be new, has to be outside the organization. So I brought up, you know, the Tommy Reese's of the world is already off the board anyway. That that the Frank Reichs of the world, the Mike McCoys of the world, the Jim Bob Cooters of the world. It's not going to be them uh, because they're Nick guys. Um, it's got to be somebody else, and. That so that alone would lean me towards now. Does that mean Nick's not going to have any say in whether you know you're talking about Cliff Kingsbury or Kellen Moore, who was in the building yesterday, or 
um, Jared Johnson. He'll have some say in that group, but he's going to be given. It's very similar. Think about it. Nick's offense, Brian Johnson. So Nick's got 10 plays. Yeah, uh, Brian's got 10 plays. Pick it out of those 10 plays. Nick, you got seven, eight candidates. Pick pick the guy. Maybe he can do that, but he's going to be steered in a direction of candidates that aren't, that he is not familiar with. You know, uncomfortable is Joe used it. Um, a bunch of people have been using it. I think that's Jeffrey's goal to get people uncomfortable, and hopefully that pushes them. And that's Nick, and that's Jalen Hurts, um, and, and you know maybe even some of the defensive players with a taskmaster coming in, uh, who some of the Miami players didn't like because he's a little too rigid and too old school. And guess what? I'm good with that. I'm good with that on both fronts, on the offense and the defense, after the way things collapsed. Um, the the hottest name last 24 hours surfaced that he's going to interview with the Eagles is Kellen Moore, ex-offensive coordinator of the Cowboys, still offensive coordinator of the Chargers, but with them bringing in a new head coach, an offensive new head coach, Kellen Moore's job might not be his for long, so they're certainly allowing him to talk to the Philadelphia Eagles. And Kellen Moore define something that you and I have kind of talked about around over the last couple of weeks. And this again, we like Jeffrey Laurie. Let's get on the record. We think Jeff Laurie is a good owner, but you and I have both said that at times he has scapegoated people that someone has to be held accountable and pay a price when the Eagles don't match expectations. I would not use the word scapegoat for either of the two coordinators that were fired this year, because I think they both were bad enough to be fired. And if you're bad enough to be fired, then you're not being scapegoated. Scapegoating to me means you don't, you get something that you don't really deserve, but somebody's got to get it. And you're the most logical kid. So you get, uh, you get it pinned on you. I think Kellen Moore was absolutely scapegoated in Dallas last year. The Cowboy offense was fine, but they got beaten the playoffs again. They didn't want to fire the head coach. Somebody had to go. Jerry just couldn't go. All right, we'll try again next year. Line Sounds up familiar. Sounds hey. familiar. But him more so than either of the two coordinators who got their walking papers here in Philadelphia. Because I think they both did a lot. I think Kelmore was fine the year before. But there had to be some explanation as to why the Cowboys choked again in the playoffs. And if they weren't ready to fire the head coach, the head coach was going to have to fire the offense quarter and take over play call. You can see it coming down the road. I don't think it was Kellen Moore's fault. I, that was just me last year. I thought he got scapegoated. I think he's a good offensive mind. I didn't watch the Chargers week in and week out, so I can't give you detail after detail after detail where, where it went wrong this year. Certainly when Herbert got hurt at the end of the year, that was a problem, and they had – uh, one of their wide receivers, top wide receivers, hurt basically for the entire season. One got hurt, they came back, then the other one got hurt, so they didn't have their weapons all year long. I, I would be okay with Kellen Moore coming here. Um, I think he's a quality offensive coordinator. How about you? Yeah, I'd be fine. You know, I saw somebody, I, you know, and I don't want to out people, but I saw somebody, a uh, media person, talking about Kellen Moore and uh, Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury as well, saying, 
Uh, same old, same old. These are fresh ideas. I'm like, what, what, what do people think? Well, I, I, uh, honest question, Jody. He's 35 years old. He's, you know, Clip is, I don't know how old he is, but he's not that much older. No, he's probably a little same bit age, older. Same, right. Yeah. Um, and, and, and the case of, uh, you know, Clip bringing the college concepts to the pros, he's been in, you know, not ground floor. Chip was ground floor, but one of the ground floor guys. I'm, what, what are fresh ideas? Yeah, I mean, please, nobody, please nobody attach your name to exactly. fresh ideas. Yeah. If you're going to knock somebody else's fresh ideas, well, why, why don't you enlighten us and tell it, us who would be a fresh it, idea? It, it, it's, 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 as far as I can guess, Ben Johnson. Well, you're not getting Ben Johnson. He's our getting number a head coaching one. job. Yeah, he's right getting now. a head coaching job. So he's fresh ideas right now. Nobody else. You know, Dave Canales gets six years from Carolina, which, by the way, David Tepper doesn't learn. But And good for Dave Canales. And maybe he becomes a great head coach. And I hope he does become a great head coach. But, I mean, what yeah, did he do? Good luck with that owner. There's, there's one where we can say, hey, we're going to take Jeff Laurie every day of the week and, uh, and 19 times for 19 yeah. weeks on Sunday over David Tepper. That guy's clueless. What the hell did Dave Canales do, honestly, other than make uh, – you know, rather than have a good playoff game and make Baker Mayfield look like a competent NFL quarterback again. I mean, I don't, I don't understand what people, and they speak with it. I said with such conviction, Oh, this guy's got fresh ideas. This guy doesn't have fresh ideas. I'd be fine with Kellen Moore. Um, under, under the look, I'll be honest with you. Um, and I've been straight from the start. All right. If you and use whatever adjective, I know you don't think Brian was scapegoated. I think he was, but use whatever adjective. If you're going to move on from Brian Johnson, I would have let Nick bring in whoever he wanted to bring in, whether it's Jim Bob or whether it's uh, uh, Mike McCoy, or he convinced Frank Reich to take a step back or whatever, whoever he's comfortable. That's the way I would have went. Um, but as far as the fresh ideas, look, I don't know what you people think is fresh ideas. So other than Ben Johnson, I don't know, maybe Jared Johnson, because nobody knows him. He's never been a coordinator. I don't know, but I don't think he's bringing CJ Stroud with him. No. Um, so I don't know. I, yeah, I'd be fine with it. I'd be fine with any of the names, um, uh, Kellen Moore, Cliff Kingsbury, I wouldn't be fine, ironically, with Jared Johnson, but that's only an experience thing. Um, he's been a position coach for one year, and he did a phenomenal job. But that tells me you're going to learn on the job. There's not I, I'm, That's not a criticism. And he's being thrown into the deep end of the pool because Sirianni yeah. hinted that he's going to be hands-off. Yeah. So you really do need someone with some pretty good experience in that position. So that's the only reason I would shy away from – from Jared just because of the lack of experience, but I, every other name I I'd be fine with under the conditions that Nick is operating operating under. Yeah. I'm not a cliff Kingsbury guy. I'm I, I'd be <laughs> open-minded to those names that have already been thrown out, either have officially interviewed or there is an interview planned or just people speculating. Um, I'm, I'm good with most of them. Cliff Kingsbury. I don't think you want to go down that road. I think it's a disaster 
waiting to happen if the Eagles happen to go that way. We shall see. All right, we'll take a quickie time out here. We have not had D Gun on with us for months. Um, you catch him on the uh, post game show where D's had some um, family stuff that he's had to deal with. But when I uh, reached out to him yesterday, he said, Joe, if you uh, want me to come on, uh, it would be my pleasure. So D Gun carving out some time for us. Always appreciative of him. And he still has some of the best relationships with guys in that Eagle locker room. Uh, the Eagles made some significant changes coaching wise this, this week. Uh, D Gun should be able to provide some light background information for us on uh, how this is going to play with the Eagle veteran players that will be coming back next year. He's McMullen. I'm McDonald. You're listening to Birds 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. field of life first trust bank is there for you because philadelphia dreams deserve a philadelphia bank Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. 
Eagles. You got your MAGA Mac guys here, McMullen and McDonald on Birds 365, hoping to get the gun streaming in here in just a couple of minutes. Uh, and I'll ask Steve when we get him on um, his evaluation and, and relationship with the quarterback, uh, Jalen Hurts. Um, when we had uh, Joe Santa Liquido on the article that he did, link the article that he did on Bleeding Green Nation, uh, very similar to the one he had done years previously with Carson Wentz. I don't think it was. I, I, I don't think it was. I think uh, this one, and I think a lot of people went to that uh, immediately. You know, it's ironic. Joe's reputation is a flowery, you know, features guy uh, where he generally writes positive things. Um, uh, see, he, I disagree with that. I don't, I don't think that is Joe's no, reputation. Well, no, because of the Wentz thing. I'm saying yeah. if you look I, at... I think if, that kind of lays over everything. Yeah, I shouldn't have used the word reputation. With us, with writers, you know, he's a features, um, and he generally writes positive features. Um, that's what I meant by that. But yes, to the general public, they think he writes only hit pieces, which is, that's what it to us, it's kind of, funny because he doesn't but um and this wasn't a hit piece the, no. the Carson, but, but, but by the way the Carson one wasn't either because it was all true but it was all negative this wasn't all negative that's what I meant by I don't think they were similar um but yeah most of the Carson stuff was 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 negative but it was you know the people that jumped on him there Everything was proven to be true right. over the long haul. So, you know. Joe can hold his head up high. And you're right. This was less negative than the Carson piece. But the juiciest part of it, the, the most in-depth part of it was about the quarterback and his relationships <laughs> and how he got to the season and where it could have gone wrong and where it could go going forward. The, the They were both quarterback pieces. This one was certainly more than that and spread out. That was more so even Carson Wentz than anything else. But there was a lot in there about Jalen Hurts, and it wasn't all uh, flowers and rainbows about Jalen Hurts, even though he was an MVP runner-up the year before. There was a regression this past year, and that's why I said what I said about Brian Johnson. I don't think he was a scapegoat because it didn't work. Now, you want to put the blame on Jalen Hurts because he didn't take the, to the coaching that their previous relationship, quarterback, coach, quarterback, uh, former player for his father, kid, added all up. Their relationship was their relationship. It didn't translate well when it became offensive coordinator and quarterback. That was on Brian Johnson to make it work. Jalen Hurts is coming off the $255 million earning year I, I think Brian Johnson was the one who had to figure it out. It was on him to figure it out to make it work for he and Jalen together. I, I'm not coming down harshly on Jalen on that one. That's why I think there's a, a big part of the reason. Well, I, I, think, I think the realism is you, um, you, you pay somebody $255 million. Obviously you're not going to move on from the quarterback. So we can scratch that out. Um, that's not going to happen. Um, at least right now. Um, so then it becomes, if you're going to assign blame, if you don't want to use the term scapegoat, 
if you're going to assign blame like Jeffrey Lurie, then you have to assign blame. Um, and, and he could have went in two directions from my perspective there. He could have said, I want to keep Brian around to make Jalen happy and fired the head coach um, and maybe got a new head coach, kept him as offensive coordinator, or he went the way he went. He kept a, 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 a neutered head coach and he, and he blew out Brian as his how's that his uh blame uh placeholder uh that's that's who we blame for the offensive failings um that's how it worked out or if, if it was as you're stating and you may very well be right um did jeffrey make the right choice would the other choice have been better um, well, I think the better choice would have been door C, keep everybody. That's what I would have done. I would have kept Nick Sirianni, Brian Johnson, Jalen Hurts, um, and see if they could improve. I, I look at the whole picture, man. And people, boy, people forgot that 10 and one start. Boy, people forgot um, that really quickly. And don't get me wrong, that seven games was atrocious to end the season. But at the same time, the larger sample size means more to me. We're we're talking about the number three offense in football, whatever they ended up. I think they ended up eight or 10. I don't even know. Um, Number 10 in a 32-team league. And and they took everything away from the guy whose offense it was. And they said, you can't be involved in this offense. Three and ten's not good enough in this stinking league. What? 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 And I got to look this up. I, I, if if you can look it up while I'm talking, what was Tampa Bay's offense this year? Uh, Twenty. They were the exact same at the end of the year. I think twenty fourth and twenty fourth. They were twenty fourth on offense and twenty fourth on defense. It was weird because I do remember that they happen. How often do you have the exact same ranking? Yeah. Both? Yards yeah. per game, they were the exact same on offense and defense. And I'm not 100 percent sure on this, but I'm pretty sure it's 24th on both. And and that and I'm not picking on Dave Canales. I hope he does a good job. He got a six-year contract to be a head coach in this league for the 24th ranked offense. Yeah, but see, here's what you leave. Here's what you're leaving out, John. Expectations. You're 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 looking at the hard numbers at the end of the season and comparing one to the other. Baker Mayfield with Mike Evans and a bunch of guys named Pete. They weren't expected to be a top 10 offense. They weren't the top 10 offense. Well, see, if I'm Jeffrey Lure, I, I, I Eagles finishing 10th. Guess what? Not good enough. They had a I, top I, three I, offense talent wise. You're supposed to be in the top three with that offense. They finished 10th. That's not good enough. Well, look, the expectations, yes, I, 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 I talk about them all the time, dating back to day one. I thought they were unrealistic. So that's baked into it for me. Now, you when think, you talk do about – you think expecting an Eagle offense, the Eagle offense coming into the year with the talent that they had, what had been subtracted, added offense, not defense. We all acknowledge how we kind of let the defense go to shit. No, I think they um, should have been better offensively. I okay. think that's fair. I think that's fair. But but I I do think people overrate the even the offense a little bit from the perspective of depth certainly from the perspective is DeAndre Swift really that much better than Rashad White? You saw some of those backup Tampa Bay receivers. At least they have some of the athleticism and some ability to make plays as we saw 
down the football field. They're a hell of a lot better than Quez Watkins and company. Um, it, it, Kate Otten uh, made plays, drop passes. Dallas Goddard made plays, drop passes. The Eagles have a much better offensive line. They've uh, Obviously, A.J. and Devontae are as good as Mike Evans is. He's aging, and he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. He's not the same player he once was. Um, so even offensively, I think, you know, people overrated, certainly from a depth depth standpoint, uh, what they were dealing with. And what really stood out to me was the receiver position because it drops off a cliff here. And, and, and Tampa Bay at least could come, you know what? This guy can make a play. You put him in space. This guy can make a play. You put him in space. I don't see that from the Eagles. Um, and that's personnel. Um, so, but, but the larger picture to me, I, I can't fathom, like I, I get the emotion in the minute and Jeffrey was by everyone who saw him walking off the field in Tampa Bay was very upset. I don't blame him. I, I came into that game. I said it pretty consistently. I arrived in Tampa saying there is no way Mick Sirianni's going to lose his job. And after that game, I had to rethink it. I said, that was so bad. I can see it in the emotion. But then I think as you step back and you say number three, number 10, and again, the context of comparing it to the rest of the league, and you should know that you can't find a receiver behind behind A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith. That's not Nick Sirianni's fault. That's Howie Roseman's fault. Um I think there's a lot of things that that come into it. And it ends with, to me, it ends with, and how he mentioned this, guy's got a 667 winning percentage over a large sample size. Three consecutive playoff bursts. That's just, for, for people that don't know, you should know, that is the best winning percentage in Philadelphia Eagles history uh, by a wide margin. All these conversations are are quite frankly absurd to me. Um, but we are where we are, and it's because of the overreaction of the owner who won't speak about it. So, yeah, I'm going to continue to criticize him. Yeah, I'm going to be less so because I think I, – I I knew that Jeffrey was going to do something because that's his history, and he's been the owner for 30 years, and his history is, is pretty well documented. He's not – with the collapse being as historic as it was, as great as the start was, as great as the previous year was, the collapse was historic. He had to do something. He wasn't just going to go – Well, I thought he would got the defensive staff. I I, 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 I assumed he would, and well, he will, yeah. and he did. Do, who do you think was more responsible for the Eagles' defense being bad this year? Sean Desai or Howie Roseman? Good question. Um, I, I think it's more personnel related. So yeah. I, so I if you're to... gonna if you're gonna do something that because we're pinning it all on the defense, how we get the out wasn't gonna happen. So somebody had to pay a price. Well, and, and that, I said defensively about Jeffrey. He decides if you're in or you're out, and he goes down the list. First things first, Howie Roseman. Yeah, I'm not oh, firing and, Howie. And, 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 and Sirianni. No, I'm not firing Nick. Oh, okay, we can get rid of the offense quarter. We can get rid of the defense. But I'm quarter. not saying That's they shouldn't have. They shouldn't have fired uh, Sean Desai. I'm saying I expected them to gut the defensive coaching staff. I thought that would be the scapegoats. Not only Sean, but also Matt 
and everybody else. I don't expect maybe Tracy Rocker will come back. Um, trying to think of anybody else. Maybe DK McDonald, but he's a Nick guy, and that was before. Now that's a bad thing to be a Nick guy. Um, so I expected them to gut the defensive coaching staff and say, step back and say, we're still pretty good offense. We didn't perform up to what we wanted to. And by the way, I if, if, if they have better ball security from the quarterback, they're probably the exact same stinking offense for the most part. Um, they just turned it over more. Uh, and that tends to be a thing, as we saw with Dak Prescott. He had a spike year, and then he came back to normal. I expect Jalen Hurts to do the same uh, and be more, more, more conscious of ball security. Um, yeah, I thought that's the way it would go. I thought that's the way it would go. And clearly I was wrong. Right. Well, I mean, not, not that far off, but I, I got no problem with somebody on the offense paying a price too, because again, back to expectation, which was worse this year, Eagles offense, Eagles defense. Of course it was a defense, but as per what you could have expected coming into the year expectations. Yeah. I think the Eagle drop off on where I expected it to be and what the results were, were about even that the defense was certainly not as good as I thought it was going to be, but the expectations were less. The offense wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be. The expectations were higher. I got, I don't have a problem with either of the coordinators paying for it. With I, And I just looked it up. Yes, I, I haven't. And uh, it, PFF just from the film graded the Eagles as having the eighth best offense in the NFL. That's not good enough. I, I, I mean, San Francisco, Detroit, Miami, Baltimore, Dallas, Rams, Bills, then Eagles. Is it good? It, did I expect them to be better? Yes. Is that fireable? I don't think it is. Over the, over a large sample size. Over a large sample size. Right. And much like the way we've talked about it, we're going to talk about it with our next guest. You do have to take it in the order in which it happened because the bad end of the Eagles – success was the end of the season it does thing but there's more. where i would disagree only from the fact that you don't have to do that jody jeffrey doesn't have to do that that's why he went yacht shopping that's when he took a couple days you're supposed to calm down you're supposed to look at it more logically you don't have to be you can be most people are but you don't have to be overreactionary and I assume that's why he took the time to go to St. Martin and, and and because he didn't want to be that way. And I think he ended up being that way. But I can't tell you that for 100% because he doesn't talk about it. Right. He right. didn't talk to us. Uh, I believe Derek Gunn is going to talk to us. We got D Gunn ready to hey. go. Man, this works out great. You're going to get to answer the question McMullen and I have just been debating. Uh-oh. The moves the Eagles made, firing their offensive coordinator, firing their defensive coordinator, and retaining their head coach. Those were the three big decisions for me. They decided to check off two of the three boxes. Overreactionary for me would have been check all three boxes. Fire them all, fire them all, fire them all. Firing only one, not quite enough for me. John says, see, would have kept them all. Or, no, John said uh, he would have... Uh, let uh, the defense, which they tried to fix on the fly, how'd that go? Uh, let that that be the whole rebuild. 
was Jeff Lurie, if we believe Jeff Lurie was behind all of these decisions, which I think we should be, did he overreact in your opinion? No, I don't think you you overreacted. You did not get the result you the result you wanted. Um, when you look at the offense statistically, um, it wasn't bad. I mean, the numbers across the board uh, were numbers that a lot of teams would have been envious of. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you look at, at the strategy in which they achieved the numbers, in which they moved the ball down the field, um, it, it left you scratching your head in a lot of cases in terms of down and distance. You know, they totally abandoned the underneath routes like a lot of teams – are you you look at the four teams still remaining that are competing for the Super Bowl? They use the crossing routes. They use the dump down routes. The Eagles totally abandoned that stuff. Um, and if you remember, I tweeted over a month ago was after the Dallas game. You know, a couple of players had told me, "Look at how fast Dak gets that bleeping ball out of his hands. It takes our routes too long to develop." So when I was told this, I started watching this more and more. And sure enough. On third and six, third and sevens, they're going for the intermediate shots down the field. And you and you see guys standing wide open underneath, and you're going, what the heck are you doing? You want to pick up the first down and move the change, but you kept playing right in the hands of the opposition. So it was the strategy in which they, they achieved certain numbers and goals that still left you wanting more. So I will say this, and I've said this before on other platforms. You know, I know we're all bashing and have bashed Jeffrey Howie um, for changing an offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator at the same time. I looked at it the other way. Um, Howie and Jeffrey admitted they made a mistake. Yes, after one year, but they made a mistake, and they're trying to rectify the mistake. Big Fangio and a new offensive coordinator. So, you know, a lot of times when we know teams make mistakes, they'll give a coaching staff coordinators an additional year to try to work out the problems. And it doesn't work, and then you're right back at square one. I'm, I'm saying, look, hey, look, we're human. We make mistakes. They made mistakes. They made mistakes putting those guys in positions, and now they're trying to rectify them because they do have a nucleus that can get back there and compete for a Super Bowl again in 24. Um. The expectations, Degon. So if if you know, you're, that's a fair point. If you know, the worst thing you can do is double down on a mistake. So if you're in that building and you feel like Brian Johnson's overmatched, I didn't get that feeling. But right. if they feel that way, I certainly got it at times with Sean Desai. You know, it's best to admit your mistake and turn the page. However, yeah. and and Jody and I were talking about the expectations. I thought the expectations were out of whack because you're coming off the Super Bowl. And you mentioned mm-hmm. they're going to be a Super Bowl contender again. Hopefully they will be. Maybe they won't be. But I know the next offensive coordinator, it's going to be pretty easy for Vic uh, to outpace expectations coming off this year. The new offensive coordinator ain't going to be that easy because you can't no. just roll out there and say, I'm going to have the eighth best offensive football. So, no. Where are we going to be if that's the expectation where you start out? Because that's mm-hmm. not good enough. Is this guy already behind the eight ball? You mean the new guy coming in? Yeah, new guy mm-hmm. coming in. Um, it depends. Is he coming in to exclusively run Nick Sirianni's offense? Not according to Nick well, the other day. 
Yeah. If, if he's, he's coming be in, carte blanche. So okay. he's got to be better. Coming in, yes. If he's coming in, and he's given the leeway to put his own niche on this offense, um, and maybe even change a significant portion of what is called Nick's offense, then I think we have to wait and see to give him a fair estimation in terms of whether he's behind the eight ball or ahead of the curve. You know, if he comes in here and puts his own niche to the offense, carte blanche, you know, and, and we see productivity right away, you can't really say he's behind the eight ball. I mean, because again, this Eagles offense was jagged in 23, yet it was the top 10 offense. So we know because the nucleus, even if Kelsey's not coming back, we know the nucleus is there for this offense to do some dynamite things again in 24. But we have no idea what it's going to look like yet. Well, obviously, yeah. Uh, To me, the perspective is obviously if whoever it is, Kellen Moore, Cliff Kingsbury, insert name, performs, there's no problem. I mean, if you perform and you're a top, you, you lead the league in offense, you're fine. What I'm saying is, I think go back to 2022. You know, D Gun, you know how yes. this works. Yes. They were stilted at times in 2022. The Indianapolis game, the Houston game. They had some really bad offensive games in 2022 mm-hmm. that everybody forgot about because they made it to the Super Bowl. Um, everybody has hiccups. Everybody Everything. has hiccups. And Everything. that's why yes. I look at, I tend to look at the larger picture. And I look at, all right, the talent on this team. But I mentioned A.J. Brown didn't play in the playoff game. Mm -hmm. All right. I saw in Tampa Bay up close David Moore making plays. Mm -hmm. Who's David Moore? Uh, Palmer, that kid, making plays, 56-yard touchdown. Eagles lose A.J. Brown. Disintegrates. Disintegrates, exactly. Thank you for that word. Mm -hmm. Completely. Maybe we overrated this team a little bit personnel wise, I believe. 20 okay, 22 they had a, a a superior team against an inferior schedule. 23 they had what we would consider a very good roster that had to stand toe to toe with the dominant schedule. Now somehow some way they found a way to get to 10 and 1. And all of a sudden, they meet San Francisco, and I believe San Francisco just took the heart of this team from that point on. And you're right. Once they lost an A.J. Brown, <clears throat> um, this this offense was, was nowhere near what it should have been. So what's the learning curve here? If you look at the Kansas Cities, Detroit's, um, teams like that, uh, Tampa Bay's, <clears throat> you find a way with the understudies on their teams. The Eagles have to do a better job of getting understudies. Now, I don't think Julio Jones is walking through that door again in 24. I think his days are done here. But there are going to be some middle-of-the-road free agents out there, whether it's a slot guy or another outside guy that might be able to help you significantly. You just have to do your homework and find that guy. Kansas City basically got back to the AFC Championship game with a bunch of guys who are dropping balls all season like hand grenades. Yeah. But they finally got it right. Yeah, tons of hiccups along the way, but they got incrementally better. Rasheed Rice turns a rookie turns into a playmaker by the time the season has ended. 
but they had a lot of bad moments, a lot of hiccups along the way. Um, boy, I guess I just, I, 667 winning percentage. Yes. Three consecutive postseason bursts. <clears throat> yes. That, that sample size has got to overvalue what the, the, look, the six out of seven was a disaster. Nobody's arguing that. But if I'm Jeffrey Lurie, D-Gun, put on your Jeffrey Lurie hat. Mm-hmm. He, he's got to know this is not this is not easy to do. No, it's not. To make the playoffs. He, he's got to know that. Why is he neutering the head coach? And, and if you don't like that word, use whatever word. Or do you think Nick Sirianni still has power? Because what I saw was a beaten man, a typically energetic guy, a bullion guy. I saw a beaten man taken to the woodshed. Did you see anything different? Um, I, I think I'll, I'll classify it as this. I saw a man who's trying to navigate a rudderless ship. I'll put it in those terms. Um, I don't want to say a beaten man. I'll just say a, a frustrated man who, no matter what he tried to do, it just kept spiraling out of control. I should have um, said beaten down. I yeah, don't mean he's giving up, yeah, beaten right, beat down. down. Right. Yeah. Um, I would say the decision to keep uh, Nick Sirianni um, is not one that I'm surprised with. How many coaches historically have gone to the playoffs the first three seasons of their tenure as a head coach? That just doesn't happen. You have to be – even Doug Peterson, you know, had to, had to build it into a – a winning team. And if you look at that journey to get to the Super Bowl, that's unheard of. That story is 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 just a, a is legacy in terms of how they got there and knocked yeah. off the evil empire. So if you got a coach that's been to the playoffs three years in a row in his first three years as a head coach. <clears throat> um, and I know everybody's fired Nick Sirianni, fired Nick Sirianni. Okay. What if you had got an Adam Gase in here to replace him? Right. What if you they, got, and they and that, they wanted they wanted it yeah, to gun yeah. if he would what, have what, accepted non personnel control he would have been here. Yeah. What what if you got a Josh McDaniels in here? What if you had gotten an Eberflus in here? See, you, you change after Eberflus, he could be okay. Change is not always for the better in that regard. Fire and put and put everybody on the guillotine. Now, <clears throat> a number of position coaches are still going to be removed. You know, we think it's just the OCs, but a number of these position coaches are waiting for their paper. Heck, they may have already gotten the papers, but the Eagles are so good at keeping stuff quiet, yeah. it hasn't come out yet. Yeah. So the coordinators are not the only changes. There's going to be significant changes at the position coaches as well. So you're rebuilding the pyramid, so to speak. Okay. So I'm not surprised that they kept Nick Sirianni for one more season. Um. He took this team his second year to a Super Bowl. It fizzled out uh, significantly in 2023. Now the front office is telling him, you've got this year to fix it, and we're going to help you. We're going to pick the OC and DC, and we're going to fix this. See, Mm. the problem with that is Mm. the NFL is the trickle-down effect. The GM answers to the owner. The head coach answers to the GM. The players answer to the coach. See, so everybody has a fall guy except who? Except the owner. It's his toy. It's yeah. his toy shop. See? And he has the right to do whatever he wants. I always it's say, Jeffrey, at Absolutely. the end of the day, he can do whatever he wants. Absolutely. But you're it's right. Store. 
I mean, Diana Rossini, just Joe Barry's going to interview to be a part of uh, Vic Fangio's staff. No surprise yeah. there. Um, Vic Fangio is going to hire those defensive coaches. Yes. Um, whoever, whomever the offensive coordinator is, if they stay true to what they said at this presser, they're going to hire the assistants. Yes. And Tim McManus asked the question, he office spaced him, our buddy Tim. Basically, what is it that you do here? Um, mm -hmm. You know, the, the two Bobs, if you're an Office Space fan, what is it that you do here? I do not see how this can possibly work, what they've done to Nick Sirianni. That's my problem. If you're Jeffrey Lauren, you want to go this way, and you want to say it's not good enough, six out of seven, historic collapse, fine. Show the courage of your conviction. Fire the head coach and start over. And then at least you can have this. Now he's straddling the fence. He's got a head coach with no power. How is that going to work? We're going to find out. We're going to, we're going to find out. Uh, uh, let's remember when they hired Doug Peterson, they hired a, a defensive coordinator before they hired the head coach. Yeah. And, well, and they it, hired it Jonathan better. before. They Absolutely. hate to say it, but they yeah. hired Jonathan before they hired Nick. And it had, um, and it had a good measure of success in that regard. Uh, so, so we're going to find out. But here's a more interesting question. Let's say it doesn't pan out for Sirianni in 24. Let's say this team, heaven forbid, has a losing record with a new OC, a new DC in 24. They all if, get fired. You, you all, they all get fired. So if you're an OC or DC, you're coming here in a one-year agreement? So what oh, happens And Joe is because he's going to be getting closer to $4.3 million. He was getting down in Miami. I guarantee you that. He's not yeah. coming in on a hometown discount. Or it to happen the way that well, it there's is, a lot of, you know. He's going to be one of the highest paid coordinators. But, but, but that's even a worse situation. You brought in these big name, big name OCs and DCs. The head coach gets fired in 24. What are you going to do well, with then this? It'll all be dumped on Nick. It's going to be Nick's fault. Oh, no, I'm saying, but if you, if you fire, bad. if you fired Nick after the 24 season, what do you do with these high-priced OC and DC you brought in to help him to See put it. him on a pedestal? See, that's just so Jeffrey's then you money. even have a bigger mess. Fair about Jeffrey's money? I don't. No, I don't either. But I'm saying no. that is a that is a powder keg topic we would have to talk about next off season. Oh sure. Yeah. Oh, and it could yeah. absolutely happen that absolutely. way. Absolutely. But let me ask you this, D Gun. Uh, yes. John's posed a question now a couple times. What exactly, like Tim McMahon? What exactly are you going to do, Nick? As CEO is the term that's thrown around. I'll call him the CEC instead. Mm -hmm. Chief executive in charge of culture. Because that's what its job is now. It's culture related. He's not running the offense. He's going to show up for a couple more defensive meetings. So be ready for that, Vic Fangio. Yeah. Is he really going to tell Vic what it. to do? Uh, I don't think so. So his main job is going to be the culture builder. Mm -hmm. To keep everybody on the same page and the focus and the five uh, core values and the like, can he do that? Do you think he's capable of doing that this year, Deacon? Hey, for the money he's making, why not? That's a part of his MO. That's part of his MO. You know, we, we snickered at when we heard the story about him talking about trees and stuff, right? When they were two and yeah. five. Yeah. And all of a sudden, that, that story. Went over well with the players. Actually. That story took root and that little sapling became a mighty oak to get him to the playoffs, right? True. You know, we've laughed at some of the stories we've heard about inspirational videos and messages he's given the team 
uh, before big games uh, at home or on road trip. So he will continue along those lines. If, if he's about the culture, he's the perfect man for the job because he already has the ear of players on that team. All right. So they know what he's going to try to sell them. And they've already bought in. Now, what it, what's interesting is going to be, and you know, this is a story that's going to get become a hot topic story down the road. Eventually, Devonta Smith is going to get his money. It could be this year. It could be next year. What do you do with one of the other receivers? Because no team has two $100 million receivers. You can't keep them both. What are you yeah. going to do? That could happen this year. May not happen until next year, but you have to look at that. It could happen this year. I think there's going to be a lot of personnel decisions that maybe yes. aren't expected um, yes. coming coming this offseason. That plays into it as well. At Real D Gun, make sure you follow uh, D Gun on Twitter. Good to see you, by the way. Haven't Good to see you guys. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll last one for me will be about uh, the quarterback because I think the quarterback is kind of skating underneath all this uh, because I think he was part of the offensive. Uh, uh, regression as well, along with the head coach and and the offensive coordinator. Um, you can't move on from Jalen Hurts, nor should they want to move on from Jalen right. Hurts. I'm not right. trying to say that, but right. obviously it seems to me he wants to make, and I'm talking about Jeffrey here, D-Gun, he, makes, yeah. he wants to make people uncomfortable again. And maybe he felt Jalen got a little too comfortable with a family friend a little too comfortable with Nick Sirianni's offense. Um, is that the way you see it? You know what, John, uh, that's a fair question, but I can't give you a fair answer because I've not heard the dynamics behind that. You know, we've heard about how close they were, uh, so on and so forth. But I think Jalen is mature enough to understand that, that Brian had a job to do, no matter how close they are, Brian had a job to do. He just didn't do it to the best of his ability. And Nick, you know, if what if what we've heard is true in terms of Jalen constantly uh, audibling at the line of scrimmage, whose job is it to take that away from him? Starts with the head coach. But we kept hearing that Jalen had the leeway to change plays at the line of scrimmage, maybe too much so. I you think know. so. Um, so the head coach is the head coach's job to rein him in. Didn't appear to happen. So now we got to get back to find someone who can get into the ear. Um, and, and the soul of Jalen from 2022 that made him the runner-up to Patrick Mahomes for the Super uh, for the, the league MVP, you know. And whoever that offensive coordinator is will come in here with a clean slate. It won't be buddy, buddy. You you making a whole lot of money. You one of the highest paid players in this profession. It's not just a sport; it is a business. You are a businessman first and foremost. You must expedite your level of play. And you, it may entail learning a whole new system for Jalen. Well, so so be it. We have to get you back to that a status that people started talking to you about being elite in 2022, putting you on that elite pedestal because you tailed off in 23 for whatever the reason. You know, um, so whoever whoever the o, a new OC is has to be somebody with a little, I, I like to say, John Wayne true grit in him. Coming here, not afraid to speak their mind, not afraid to get in players' faces, especially the franchise quarterback. And if you hurt feelings, I'm hurting your feelings to make you better individually and collectively as a unit. 
You can't you, you, some old crusty sea. I'm not looking for the old crusty sea captain because that's not going to happen. But you're going to bring somebody in here with the ability and with the gumption of speaking in mind. You know, let's stop this mess now. It doesn't have to be Nick Sirianni yelling all the time. You think about it, John and, and Jody. Nick Sirianni did a lot of yelling in training camp. This oh, morning. yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it was now, purposeful, I yeah. think. And yeah. it worked up to a certain point. Okay. So now you need somebody in here who needs to establish his personality right from the first time they meet on their practice field in, a- in April or May. By the yeah. way, I think that D got they got the crusty old sea captain. He's just on defense. They right. got that. <laughs> they got big. They covered that. And oh, by the way, as Joe said, Laquito told us earlier in the show, and I agree with him, they had a guy who could push Jalen's buttons and change Steichen. And sure. nobody would call him a crusty old sea no, captain. No, no. So you don't Although he, uh, Shane Shane could drop an F bomb better than anybody. Though. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny, the crusty old sea captain in today's football, especially offensively, is a guy in his mid to late 30s or 40s. He's young, yeah. innovative <laughs> minds now. So uh, they're the crusty old sea captains nowadays. It'll be very interesting to see who that crusty old sea captain is for the yeah. Eagles when they hire their OC. D-Gun, we always expedite our uh, information when we get you on. Thank you very much for doing it today. Um, always uh, appreciate it when we get you on, D-Gun. Thanks. Buddy. Appreciate you having me on, gents. Anytime. Thanks, D-Gun. Appreciate our it. Our very own D-Gun here with us on Birds. Yeah, with Shane, I was always a met, met. That guy could go from on 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 in on camera and be the nicest, most congenial, and then he'd get off camera, f f f bomb f bomb. Amazing how he could how he could toggle between that. And when when on the sidelines, wasn't always the nicest guy. You got to be able to. Uh, get your opinion across. If it's forcefully, so be it with uh, your quarterback. All right, he's McMullen on McDonald. Quickie timeout. We'll come back, put a bow on the show here on Birds 365. Professional sports coach will tell you there's no substitution for preparation. At Malamut and Associates, that is a tenet by which we live. We prepare from day one for victory. Anything less is not acceptable. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust. Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. 
Oh, and go birds. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Bo D. Gunn and Joe Santa Liquido hopping on with us here today on Birds 365. Uh, it was a tumultuous week for the Birds, to say the least. Don't know if it's going to be as tumultuous next week, but the big question will be Monday, J-Mac. Will we have the new offensive coordinator in place for the Philadelphia Eagles by the time we get back Monday? Oh, I, 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 I don't think so. I think Neither they're going to take their time uh, when it comes to the offensive coordinator and uh, try to at least make it seem like they're casting a wide net, so to speak. And uh, other than, you know, evident, you know, and they wanted Vic for a long time. So it's understandable uh, with Vic Fangio, at least a little bit different. Uh, and Joe Barry, as I said, will interview for a job. Uh, with stamps on both the Eagles and the Bears. Uh, Eagles are up first, though, so they'll get the first opportunity. Obviously, he's a uh, a big Fangio. He's, he ran that scheme in, in Green Bay, and his history is with linebackers, so he would be presumably interviewing to be the linebackers coach, which would be, in theory, a pretty big upgrade. So, you know, maybe they're, it seems like they're going to have a much better staff on the defensive side of the ball at the bare minimum. Right. And I think they would have uh, thrown a wide net out for defense to if Fangio hadn't become available, but he did. So they acted quickly. So I'm with you. They'll probably take their time on the offensive side. We shall see. Unless Shane Steichen gets fired and then they'll get him back there as soon as possible. But well, he's a Nick guy. I don't know. They said, no, oh, Nick you guy. got a point there. Yeah. Say, uh, There'd be a 180 for you. I think both Howie and Jeffrey would do a quick 180 and go, yeah, but Shane. Um, so uh, Angio was here too. So uh, they, I don't want to say they did a 180. They'd be doing a 180 on Shane. He's not coming back. So I'm with you. I don't think we'll have, we'll have more speculation on the offensive coordinator uh, come Monday. We need you back here on Birds 365. I'm going to be back in 22 hours. Johnny Mac's going to be back in 20, uh, not 22 hours, two days. When two I give days. you the two and two, that's two days over the weekend. Everybody have a great weekend. Get back with us on Bird Street 65 come Monday. 
You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.